Well, today we're going to continue uh, with our Heroes uh, of Faith series. Um, if you can type in the keyboard to unlock that, now you know my desktop, laptop, password, but it's okay. All lowercase, don't laugh. History. But you got to really click the S because the S key like sticks all the time now. It's unbelievable. Try it again, all lowercase. While that's happening, you can open up to James chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. Uh, what's going to happen here is we're going to actually study and learn about uh, Elijah. He's going to be our next person of faith. We left off with King David, and uh, we went forward over Solomon, because actually I was checking in my notes not that long ago, we were learning about Solomon, and so I wanted something a little fresh and something a little newer. Uh, for me uh, to step into. Uh, so I decided to jump into the story of Elijah. And essentially what's been happening here is the sons of David over time have grown wicked in their ways, uh, seeking foreign gods uh, that have been taking place. And all this has come into a climax, and the prophet Elijah, the Tishbaite, is, uh, is awakened, if you will. And his spirit is awakened to, to just really proclaim a prophetic message of repentance and turn back to the way of God, okay? And so we have a couple uh, of uh, evidence of this in the scriptures. Of course, we have the story of Elijah found in, uh, in, 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 in mostly 1 Kings. Uh, but also, uh, James makes mention of Elijah. And I'm sorry that I'm trying something a little new today. Sorry that the font's a little smaller, but that's why you have your Bible in front of you, right? James chapter 5, verses 16 to 17 says this, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So this is a, an interesting statement, an interesting part of the story of Elijah. Elijah prayed, and he prayed for, yes, he prayed for drought. It's like, Lord, do not allow it to rain on the nation of Israel. I want drought. You want drought. And I pray that. And then three and a half years go by and he's released to pray for rain to come yet again onto the land of Israel. And so this is uh, pretty peculiar in a way because you have someone who's praying for climate. Uh, and the climate that we're talking about here has spiritual significance, right? So a couple things here. One, Elijah prayed... And it did not rain, but then years later he prayed and it rained again. And so the question here, of course, is why on earth did he pray this way? Why did he pray for it not to rain and then for it to rain again? And so this is backstory of Elijah. Now, another interesting part here, it says in James that he was a man just like us. He was a righteous man and he prayed fervently and he saw the heavens be held back from rain. We, just like him, James is saying, you are a man or a woman, just like Elijah. Look at the power that Elijah had. All right, so I'm trying something a little different here. Anyone yet, my wife gets this way, anyone yet seasick from the presentation here? No? I'll try it again. Woo! No? No, good. My wife is like, I hate this thing. <laughs> My kids at school either love it or hate it. They're like, ugh. And it really comes down to if you're right-brained or left-brained. Uh, there's a reason why I chose to experiment with this thing called Prezi. 
Because, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. How many of you have prayed, 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 prayed for something, and you didn't get the result that you were expecting? Anyone? Come on, let's be real here, right? So, it's quite possible, right, that we continue to do things over and over again, expecting for our prayers to be answered, and they may not be answered, and then we get into this whole thing of why and what's going on. So this little thing right here I'm showing is that sometimes uh, what is true is something that you're not necessarily seeing. A lot of us think in a very one-dimensional world, very PowerPoint-esque, right? Slide, 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 slide. And this thing kind of like you're, you see something, then it pulls out. And it's just kind of a, a way of thinking about looking at a problem in a different way. I think Albert Einstein said that the futures of tomorrow, the problems of, of, of tomorrow will have to be solved in very different ways than we've done before, right? The, the problems that we have today, you have to solve them in different ways. Now, they're not different because they're eternally true and they're in the Bible, but we have a, t- a way of taking on and adopting the things of the world and the things that men say, and we're not looking at the scriptures to really see what's going on. Now, Elijah, a man just like you, or a woman, you know what I'm saying, right? Was able to pray, and a drought came upon Israel. It's unbelievable. And he also prayed for that release. So, what about us? Our ability to pray and what's going on, and of course, what is going on with Elijah? It's very strange, right? So, uh, let's take a look at a bit of the, uh, the background here of Elijah. So, uh, the background of why there is a drought, actually, is because of disobedience. The drought, the physical drought, is a representation of a spiritual drought that's been taking place in Israel. The children of Israel have decided to serve other gods. And the Spirit comes to Elijah, pray that there would be no water on the land, more or less as a representation of the spiritual condition of the people of Israel. The physical drought of water, or lack of water, is a representation of Israel's drought in the spirit. Does that make sense? Okay. So what's going on here is uh, they are serving uh, other gods, particularly one god, Baal. Uh, and Baal is going to be have a counterpart, uh, Ishtar or Astrith. Um, and they're pretty messed up gods. <laughs> and so what's going to happen here is King Ahab is on the scene. Uh, he takes a pagan wife, Jezebel. Anyone ever hear of like the Jezebel spirit? The promiscuous woman? Alright, this is where it comes from. Ahab marries a woman by the name of Jezebel. Both of them come together and they begin to lead the nation of Israel into disobedience. They start to serve Baal and Ishtar. Now what's going on here is some pretty bad stuff. Baal is essentially a fertility sex god. His counterpart is Ishtar. When he gave up uh, sacrifices, Baal and Ishtar were supposed to come together in sexual union and bring forth blessings upon the earth. Horrible, horrible things would be done. When you worship Baal, uh, you would take part in promiscuous sex and sexual entertainment. Uh, actually, many scholars are actually saying that this is where the, uh, the, the stripper pole comes from. Uh, coming from the Asherah pole, which was raised. Uh, why is there so much promiscuity and lust wrapped around the, the, the pole? It's really a spirit of Ishtar that is there going back thousands of years. 
heavy, heavy servant of that. And what would take place is actually the when you took part in these sexual things uh, before Baal. Uh, you also, uh, if you became pregnant uh, with that, you would offer up that child as a sacrifice. Um, he was also connected with the, the God of Molech. Uh, the scriptures talk about passing the children through fire, giving up sacrifice unto these gods. This and these are the people that Israel beginning to worship. There's a reason for it. Part of the reason is because they've moved out of the land of the desert. Yahweh was considered this desert God. And they're moving into the fertile crescent where there's fertility and there's water and there's all this kind of stuff. And you've got to pray to the, the, the Canaanites and Jebusites are praying to these foreign gods. And so they go into the land. They're going to a new place. And they're like, well, our God worked for us in the desert. But maybe their people are saying that Baal is the God of the fertile crescent, of, of plenty, of an abundance. Maybe we should start to worship him now. This is what's going on in Israel. And things get bad. Uh, we read 1 Kings chapter 16. Mind you, this is the king of Israel. King Ahab, 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 32. Then he, King Ahab, set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a, woman, a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him did more to anger the Lord than any other king before him. In his days, Hiel of Bethel built Jericho. He laid its foundations with Ibaram, his firstborn, and with his youngest son, Segum. He set up his gates, or its gates, according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken through Joshua, the son of Nun. Uh, there's a little bit of a, a cryptic passage. Uh, What's actually going on here, back in the story of the destruction of Jericho, God said, never again shall you build up these walls again. It is to be a reminder of my glory being displayed amongst you. Do no, you will not build up the, the city of Jericho again. Now, thousands of years later, essentially, uh, what's happening here is a king is building up that ancient city of Jericho. Now, he's not just building up in defiance against the Lord. What is he doing? It's connected with Baal worship. But what does he do? It says that he, or rather his conspirators, are laying the foundation stones with two sons. That isn't like you get the two sons, Segub and Ibaram, to build them. What they're actually doing is this. You check this out with scholars. It's very typical. will be in your most commentaries. They're taking their sons and sacrificing them and killing them. And mixing their blood with the mortar of the stones as a sacrifice unto Baal. That's what's happening in the rebuilding of Jericho. That, I mean, and most commentaries will tell you that. This is how thick and deep Baal worship and Ishtar worship has entered into Israel. And this is why he says he has done more evil than all of the other kings before him. And what is the evil? Lifting up the name of Baal, sexual promiscuity. But really what Baal also means is really one who lords over you. That's really what it means in, in Hebrew. It's another name for a lord. Okay? And so essentially what the serving of Baal is, is really a serving of the self. Self-pleasure. Right? Fertility, sex, but self-pleasure. The uplifting of your own desires. That's what's really going on here. So, Elijah prays for a drought. 
to bring a notion of repentance to the nation of Israel. Uh, that it would be a physical sign showing the spiritual condition of what's going on. Right? That's, just, that's what's going on with Elijah. Now, okay, fine. That's like thousands of years ago. All right, cool, whatever. It was Elijah back then, Baal, worship, whatever, weird. Come on, man. There, 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 there is probably no greater God, lower G, that is being exalted in our culture than Baal. The promotion of sex is everywhere. Everywhere. As a male, I can't escape the, 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 the images and the voices that are trying to come to me. I check my email. There's invitations to weird websites. I go on Amazon. There's advertising. I'm like, where the heck is this stuff coming from? Drive down 95 and there's half-naked women. You're sitting there watching TV with your family and there's a lingerie commercial. You're like, whoa. Now, women may or may not understand these kind of pools, but as men, it's like, we have been wired biologically to be stimulated by the eye for our wife. It's the way we were built. And we're getting inundated with all this. Music, movies, I mean, everything. Come on, right? Am I, am I, just, am I just like being like really old-fashioned? Yeah, it's like everywhere, everywhere. It's unbelievable. But it's not just that. We have to get past the notion of, of sexual promiscuity, but also think about all of this, Baal, is this notion of the exaltation of the self. What pleases you? What makes you feel good? What desires are good for you? With that being said, the culture of the West lifts up that spirit more than any other. All other sins, all other temptations goes through that vein. What makes me feel good? Drug addiction, emotional uh, addiction, uh, pornography, greed, money, lying, pride, anxiety. Everything is the uplifting of the self. I would encourage you that if that's what's going on, there's essentially in the spirit an uplifting of the name of Baal in our life. Now, Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new underneath the sun. Today, there's still sexual promiscuity. Today, there's still a need and a culture of self-pleasure. I personally believe it's been sped up dramatically with the use of technology. You think about that device. What is technology? Everything with technology is the pleasure of the self. In good ways, but also bad ways. Right? There's, it's so hyper now. It's unbelievable. Uh, and just so, I mean, I'm not making this stuff up. Um, the um, Jonathan Kahn, which is actually the, the congregation uh, that uh, Peter Malosky is, is now a part of, right? He's the assistant pastor there. He was exposing a lot of this. Uh, what happened was uh, in uh, Iraq, uh, ISIS blew up a, uh, a temple of Baal. They actually destroyed this, this temple. He's like, no, you're going to worship Allah. And so they blew up this, this, this beautiful, apparently, ancient ruin of worship of Baal. And so the UN, the international community, decided, out of good respect to the culture of history and archaeology, that they were going to rebuild the arch of Baal. And they rebuilt it. And they put it on display in London and New York. See here. 
You may have to check the, uh, the volume. Lower it a little bit, please. Music playing. Dignitaries come. There it is. Innocent enough, I know. It's just an arch, right? Not really. Uh, if you can just use the forward arrow, Sharon, I appreciate that. Thanks. So, this arch was going to put on display actually at the World Trade Center. And there was such a stink about it that they moved it and kind of quietly displayed it at City Hall in New York. Okay? And if, depending on which circles you're a part of, you'll see some people, some people on the Elijah list, uh, big name people that were just praying against and all this kind of stuff. You're like, oh, well, it's just an arch. It's an archaeological finding that they're putting here. All right, look, what I'm trying to suggest to you is that there, there's been such an exaltation of the self that, fine, oh, it's just, it may just be an arch and an archaeological remain, but in the spirit, something very significant just happened there. America and the world decided to honor Baal. So, the worship of Baal, I believe, is still evident in the world today. It takes on different ways. Sexual promiscuity, desire, self-pleasure. So, this is where we're going, right? 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21, is Elijah. Uh, Elijah is going to say to Israel, and Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Elijah gives a question. Who are you going to serve? Baal or Yahweh? Who do you want to serve? Tell me. Come on. If, if Baal's God, I mean, go freely go serve him. And they do not respond. I mean, like God's saying today, like, who do you serve? Do you serve the self and self-exhortation and self-pleasure, or do you serve God? The people answer not. Uh, so, okay. Kind of the question that we have for us is, all right, who are we serving? And this is going to be connected to prayer. How do we know in our culture, but also we as individuals, who are we really serving? Now, obviously, I'm believing that everyone here is going to say, I, you know, I serve Jesus. Of course. But let's just get a little bit more personal here. How do we determine when we're really serving Jesus and when we're serving, I won't call it Baal, because you guys are just going to be upset. Fine. We won't use the ancient term for the self, Baal. We'll just say, when are you serving yourself? I think the answer is looking at your prayer life. I say this would be a different way of looking at a scenario. You say, well, how come I don't have prayers that are answered? Well, let's take a look at it a little different. Do you pray? And then probably secondly, but not more importantly, because one has begotten of the other, what does your prayer life actually look like? I would suggest you could see if you're serving the self or if you're serving King Jesus by looking at your actual prayer life. Elijah was just a man. A righteous man and a fervent man. And he prayed. Now here's the thing, man. A righteous and fervent man availeth much. Praise God, I am righteous. Are you righteous? Amen. Amen. I'm righteous. Jesus made me righteous. Amen. 
I should have the same prayer life like Elijah. The Holy Spirit should be like, Dave, pray that no water would fall in Bucks County until the people repent, and I should be able to walk in that. The, the, the Holy Spirit just resided on Elijah. As a prophet, the Holy Spirit is in me. I Fervent prayer. There's a little bit more that's going on here. So you are righteous already, right? If, if, if you have accepted Jesus. But what about prayer? What does it look like? So I came across this interesting uh, enough video uh, by a, a, a pastor of Francis Chan. Uh, who talked a little bit about prayer. It's about four minutes long, but I think it just nails a lot of the point. Uh, it's going to help us kind of wrestle with, with some of this, okay? So if we can just hit the forward arrow, it should zoom right in on the video. Volume up, please. You heard, I, I, I shared the story a while ago how just a few months ago, I was working in my front yard fixing some things and some Jehovah's Witnesses come by and they said, hey, can we talk to you? And I'm fixing saying, of course. I mean, I've got some things to say to you, too. You know, let's, let's just talk. No, seriously, because I, I just think, here's some human beings. I, I need to love on them. They're trying to love on me. And, and so they start sharing some things. And I just say, hey, can I tell you? Can I, I just tell you a couple things that God's done in my life recently? Just, just a couple things. I mean, this will blow your mind. Let me just tell you about some answers to prayer. This is how it was like last week. And this lady goes, you know, God doesn't listen to everyone's prayers. And I said, you know what? Actually, biblically, you're right on. I go, James 1 says that if we doubt, you're not going to listen to us. James 4 says if, if we ask with the wrong motive, he's not going to listen to us. First Peter 3 says if I don't honor my wife, Man, my, my prayers are going to be hindered. He, he says in Isaiah 58, if I don't care for the poor, it doesn't mean if I fast and pray. He's not listening. I go in Amos, he says, ah, oh, I don't want to hear the noise of your songs. You know, I'm not going to listen to that. He, he says, if my people would humble themselves, you know, and, and turn from their wicked ways. I mean, there's conditions. Says, You're absolutely right. He does not listen to every prayer. But he listens to mine. And I, and I said, and I, I tell this one story, this thing that happened, and she's like, wow. I go, explain that. Why do you listen to me? You know? And, and, and she goes, let's get out of here. And so her and her friends start walking. I go, actually, if you don't mind, I'd like to walk with you because I have some more stories. And, uh, because I didn't want them to just walk away. I want them to know. I just want people to know this Jesus. Because there's nothing like answered prayer. There's nothing like, no way. I just spoke to God and he listened to me. I mean, that's my favorite thing on earth. When I ask for something, I go, shut up. God just listened to me and look what he did. You can't explain this away. And so I'm telling them these stories as I'm walking with them. Man, I went like a block and a half just telling them. And, and one of them looks at me and she goes, she goes, what are you? Is you one of them Pentecostals? So, and I go, don't worry about it. I, I go, here's all you need to know about me. I'm a human being just like you. And I get alone with that book. I get alone with the Bible and I just read it. And, 
and, and I see stuff I'm supposed to do when I do it, and I, and I pray to that God in that Bible, that Jesus who died on that cross for me, and, and I, just, I, I just read that, and I pray to him, and he listens to me, and he's changed me, and, and everything he's done in my life, I, it just blows my mind. And she goes, that's your problem. That was literally what she said, that's your problem. She goes, you read that book by yourself. She goes, you can't understand that book unless one of our leaders explains it to you. And I said, see, that's your problem. No. I said, you're putting all of your trust in someone else. I go, do you understand this is about your eternity? This is about heaven and hell. And you are putting all your trust in what someone else tells you. And, and you understand, man, I think we, some of us in the room do this. Some of the things we believe and do and hold so dear is not because we found it in this book. It's just because someone told us. And I'm, and I'm not saying that we don't listen to people who know more than we do. Man, I, I think there's a time to listen. Um, but, but at the same time, you know, I, I see a, a lot of believers just grabbing on and listening to someone because they're a popular speaker or listening to someone because he's a good singer. Someone appears really intelligent, you know, quote some Greek words that you don't know any better. You're like, okay, I guess. And you just start listening and you just follow these supposed scholars. And, and, and just like I told those ladies, I go, look, you would never come up with some of these conclusions if you just read this book over and over again. You, I mean, right now, you guys believe that Michael and Jesus are the same person. You really would have got that from the Bible? You only believe that if someone told you. If you put this verse over here, that kind of thing. Yeah, I go, man, just read it for yourself. Amen. Amen. You can go forward, Sharon. Please. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty good. So what does your prayer life look like? Okay, so that's like really the three quarters of that little video that he was talking about some other, other things. Right? I think are very, very wise and important um, about reading the word yourself. Very, very important uh, thing to get alone with the Lord. But I want to talk a little bit about a prayer as we, as we get into the finishing up the message for today. If we take a look at this, what he was talking about, the Lord answering our prayers, you know, that's what we're talking about here, about fervent and righteous prayer. So the first thing is, I am, I am righteous because of Jesus. You're righteous because of Jesus. Fervency means like how impassioned and how often and how much are you really praying. There's a little bit more to unpackage there. If we take a look, I believe, 1 Kings chapter 18, where we just were, uh, but now verse 36, is going to really explain the, the model for prayer. And the model of prayer is so nice because it's juxtaposed or it's very similar, it's connected to the Lord's Prayer. So many of us pray the way that we've been told to pray instead of looking at the Bible and saying, all right, how do we pray? What does prayer really look like? I would actually admonish you that if you don't pray, pray much, it's probably because you're praying like some guy told you how to pray. Not how God has told you to pray. It's very different. When you pray like God has told you to pray, there's so much of an infilling of the Spirit of God in you, you sometimes can't even shut up. As it says in 1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. How do you do that? You're not going to be able to do that by giving God a laundry list of what you want. I'm telling you that right now. I want this. I desire this. That is the uplifting of self or ba'a. Ooh, I'm going to let that sit for a second. 
First Kings chapter 18, 36 39. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, this is his prayer, a model, beautiful model of prayer. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant. And that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, Yahweh, He is God. The Lord, Yahweh, He is God. The pattern for prayer in Elijah, which is just like, just like the Lord's prayer. One, Lord, I am praying right now through this circumstance that the people will know that you are the God of Israel. When we pray, we have to honor the Father. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I want a million dollars so I can have a bigger house. Baal. Lord, let me not want and lack anything as your word says because I want people to see my life and see that there is a testimony and a glory on my life. Amen. And they'll see that you are good. And that when you give me more money, I'll be able to further your kingdom in new and more exciting ways. Yeah. That's the heart of a fervent man and righteous man. That day, the people will see that I am your servant. The world sees a, 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 a person living in poverty, with a poverty mindset, just flagellating themselves and beating themselves up as a son of God. Who wants to serve that kind of God? Oh, you're a God. Your God is obviously a God of poverty. You, you're so negative about yourself. You're always beating yourself up. Why do I want to serve that God? No, Lord, in my circumstances, I want people to look at my life. And look at my circumstances. And they say, that is a son of God. And I'm attracted to that. That's, it. That's the praying of the kingdom. Amen? Amen? That the people will return to you. That there be revival. The prayer life. Because you already provided for me. I, I have every, every spiritual blessing. But I'm praying that your kingdom would be made manifest. And that's when the Lord answers with fire. That's when he answers with revival fire. And if we have the worship team, come on down. He ascends or descends with fire because his prayer life is one of exalting the Father. Not exalting the self and what you want. Now, okay, what we had here uh, is, of course, if you can go uh, forward on this, on this slide, it'll probably just be easier. Uh, Francis Chan, the, the pastor that we were looking at, uh, he was quoting a couple scriptures, which I, I want to read over. Uh, James, chapter 1, right? Yeah, if you just keep it down, I'm probably going to do like my like five, ten minute thing. Jesus. Let, let's, just, let's just dissect this a little bit. James, chapter 1, answer prayer. Five, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And say, if anyone of you lacks a McMansion, ask of God. So many people take this verse out of context. If any of you lacks the spirit of wisdom and revelation and understanding, 
Ask of God. That's a kingdom mindset. Who gives all liberally and without reproach and will be given to you. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man. Unstable in all his ways. He's doubting. Doesn't know which way to go. Doesn't know what's going on. The Lord's like, I can't bless you in that. Have some faith. Don't doubt. James chapter 4 verse 3. This is really kind of a creepy one. Wrong motivation. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. It's the motivation of prayer of like, I want my pleasure center. Right? My amygdala in your brain. I want that to be, to, to be touched. Right? You want your desires and your pleasures uplifted. We've got to read this one. I know we're like, oh, let's, let's go forward. But like the, our wives will be upset if we don't read this one, guys. First Peter chapter 3. This one, man. I'm talking about conviction of the Holy Ghost the other night. When I'm reading over this, I was like, whoa. Holy Ghost conviction. Down in my basement. First Peter chapter 3. Man, listen up to this one. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with, understa- with understanding. Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. And as being heirs together of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Right? The, the, the marriage is a representation of, of the bride. And Jesus looks at us and says, Man, you're not loving your wife? Like Christ loves the church? And you want me to bless your prayers? You're not just defaming marriage. You're defaming the physical representation of what I've given man to show our connection. So you trample what I've given to you on earth underfoot. Why am I going to give you that which is heavenly and spiritual? Honor one another. Honor one another. Honor your parents. Honor your Ah, honor your spouses, honor your children, honor friends, honor people, and you're going to see the Lord just come in. He loves honor. Second Chronicles 7, if my people humble themselves and pray, right? In essence, our prayers can become a vehicle for a worship of the self, of Baal, of lifting up what we want and what we desire without the right perspective of Him. But in closing up, there is a better way. If we go to the next little thingamajiggy you go to the next one please uh, you have to actually go back just keep going back we'll try to make this work forward uh, what we have here it's alright there's a picture in there somewhere uh, that uh, explains what prayer really is it's taken from Deuteronomy 6.4 uh, and what happens here is, thank you, there you go, of 6-8, I'm sorry. Has any of you, and many of you, if, you're, if you grew up in Brooklyn or Queens or uh, uh, I don't know, Long Island, you've, you may have seen the ultra-Orthodox men wrapping their forearms with leather and putting a box on their forehead. Ultra-Orthodox Jewish men do this. Uh, this comes from Deuteronomy 6, 8. The Lord says, when you pray, pray like this. Facet the, the Torah, the law, to your forehead and bind it around your forearms. See, what happens here is we have a misconception of what prayer is like. Prayer in Hebrew is tefillah. It means a binding. 
The thing that you wrap around your forearm is called tefillin, that, that which is being bound. They come from the same word. Prayer is a prayer, is a life of binding to God. Now I love this picture because it's an Israeli soldier. He's fighting both the physical and the spiritual. He's fighting in the physical with a machine gun and he's fighting in the spirit, wrapping the prayers of his fathers from Deuteronomy around his forearms. Prayer is not just requests, it's a binding. It's a connection to whom God is and his purposes. It's a connection of binding to whom you are in him. You want a revelation of prayer? Take on that revelation. I bind myself that God shall be made glorified and honored on earth. And I bind myself to the revelation that I am his son. And I have access to him. First Peter chapter 5 verse 8 says, Satan is a lion seeking, seeking whom he shall desire. We need to pray. But we got to pray like Elijah. Lord, let your name be glorified. Let the people turn to you. Let me take away the self. And we say, all right, if you go to the next slide. How on earth do I do this in the midst of, 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 of so much in the world? There's doubt. There's wrong motivation. How on earth do we do all of this? Take a look at Ephesians. Chapter 3. So there's doubt, there's wrong motivation, there's lack of honor, there's lifting of pride and self-desire. So how do we bind ourselves to the understanding of His purposes, whom God is and who we are in Him? How do we do this? Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14. Paul is writing, for this reason... I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is Paul saying to you, the church of Ephesus, this is why I get on my knees and I bow down and pray for y'all. Here's the reason. Verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, that you would be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes all knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power of his works in me, to him be glory in the church. This is Paul praying, said, what I'm praying for is that you would know the depth, the height, the width, the grandness of the revelation of the love of God on you through Christ Jesus. It was the last time you prayed like that. You're on your knees, you're like, Jesus, before anything else, the reason I am on my knees is because I want to begin to comprehend the beauty and love of Jesus. It's answered prayer. It comes when we pray from a binding. We pray in the revelation of knowing who God is. We pray in the revelation of what He thinks about us. 
We pray like Elijah and like Jesus instructed us to pray. To pray that his kingdom would become manifest. That we would be known to the world as his servants. Yes, there's time to pray for financial breakthrough. Absolutely. But it can't come out of the serving of self. It has to come out of the revelation of who you are as a son and daughter. Amen? At the end of all this, 1 Kings chapter 18, if you take a look at it, through all of this, God comes down with fire. And the nation of Israel like, whoa, Yahweh is the true God. Baal can't be. And they begin to worship Yahweh, the Lord God of Israel. And so beautiful. Elijah goes to the people and, and, and says, look and listen. For I see and hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Look and see. I hear and see the sounds of the abundance of rain. And the rains fall and the drought is ended. And a revival of the Spirit comes upon Israel for a time. Jesus. Go to the next little button. One more button. There she is, the horizon. The drought. Drought in your life. Drought in your family. Maybe a drought in your community. I know in my own life, I've walked through some times of spiritual drought. And looking in retrospect, it's like, you know why? Because I, wa I wasn't serving Yahweh. I wasn't serving the Lord God of Israel. I was serving the self. And I was painting it with things of God. And a drought came onto my life a little bit. But God is so good. And when we stand and when we pray... We say, Lord, above all else, I want to know your love. I want to experience the relationship with you in deeper ways. And we start to pray for revival. We start to pray for God's name to be lifted up. You need to see so many answers to prayer. Because we're not praying out of the self. We're not praying out of the exaltation of Baal. We're praying for the exaltation of the God of Israel. It's all about Him. My job, and then I have a job, and I can pay my bills. It's all to glorify Him. It's all about Him. Never fear. Next little button. Joel chapter 2. And on the horizon, it says the latter rain is coming. Maybe in a drought. Joel himself says that the former rains will not be nearly as great as the latter. How do we get the latter? Lord, we just pray Ephesians. I want to know the depth, the height, the breadth, the width of your love. Why don't we stand? Please, do not think that we do not pray for healing. No, we pray for healing. Be healed because your scriptures say you've given us life and I want your name to be glorified that you're a healing God that's how I pray 
we pray for breakthrough in finances and for a house and for jobs because not because I just need more stuff. I, I, we pray because we want people to look at our lives like, oh man, that is a God that I want to serve. Ah, Jesus, we just pray, Lord God. I just pray, Father. Hallelujah. That we would not be discouraged in our prayer life. But that there would be a fresh rain and a fresh spirit inside of us to pray without ceasing. To pray in the spirit. To pray with knowledge and without knowledge. And when we do not have the words to pray, that our bodies would just come up with groanings. Jesus. Father, breathe on us a prayer life. Breathe on us a prayer life. Not boring, lifeless prayer. Fervent prayer from righteous men and righteous women. Let us understand that prayer is not a laundry list of our wants. That's how the pagans go before Baal. Our prayers are prayers that are lifted with supplication and thanksgiving and blessing and praise and rejoicing as it says in Philippians. Our binding to you is to stop and to ponder your greatness. We bind ourselves of how you view us. We bind ourselves to your purposes. That your name would be glorified on earth. That every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. That every knee would bow before you. Oh, when we pray into the kingdom, the kingdom is revealed. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all the rest, the house, the jobs, the healing, the restoration, peace that overflows shall all come. It's a promise of a covenant written in the blood of Jesus. Amen. Have a wonderful week. Feel free to stay in worship. Feel free to come down if you need some prayers. (laughs) You guys can just go. I got a microphone in my hand. I don't don't know what the Spirit's going to do. Seriously, feel free to, to go. But I just, I can't stop exalting the goodness, the praises of my God. Come on now, we sing the song. Your praise shall ever be on my lips. Let's live it out. Your praise, a prayer, constant, incessant prayer of praise upon others. Jesus.